live in Nashville, Tennessee. You are listening to the Nashville Daily Podcast. Nashville's number one daily podcast. Brought to you by Think Nashville. Think Nashville. Think Brad. Think Brad. It's Nashville Daily Podcast. Good morning, Nashville, and welcome to the Nashville Daily Podcast. I'm your co-host, Stuart Deming, and today's episode is brought to you by Brad Reynolds. If you're looking for real estate in the Middle Tennessee market, 615-856-3270, and that's thinkbrad.com. He covers the entire real estate market, which is a lot of counties, like 14 or more. Aaron, good morning. <laughs> How's it going? It's going Four, good. 14 is a lot of counties. Well, so the metropolitan area of Nashville is the, 13 the, what, what is the statistical? So the metro, metropolitan statistical area, uh, the MTA, MTA uh, MSTA, uh, it's a big terminology <laughs> thing. This is how they use it, like track all the data for like airports and for like post office stuff and all of those things. So it's, it's really... Just say 14 counties. So it's, yeah, it's 14 counties, 12 counties, 13. It's one of those. That's a lot of 12, counties. 12, 13, 14 It's counties. like, uh, you know, how, Let's see if we can how, name. How, how Tennessee is one of the states that touches almost the most states. One of the states that yeah. it's tied for, like, yeah. I think Mississippi is one of the other ones that touches so many other states. Well, and then you can but go Davidson to- County is almost the same way. Yeah. Because most of those 14 counties, we're just kind of touching. They just circle us. Yeah, so um, you, you have Davidson, Cheatham, uh, Dixon, Dickerson, not Dickerson, Dixon, um, which does not touch Davidson, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah. Rutherford, yeah. Williamson, Wilson, uh, Montgomery, that does not touch uh, Davidson. That is true. Sumner. And I think that's all that Robertson. Yeah, there we are. There we go. I'm missing a few. All right. Well, on today's show, <laughs> on today's show, uh, we have uh, an amazing guest. We're going to be talking about uh, branding. We may even bring up the question: Is Music City losing its brand? We talked that uh, about that just a little bit on yesterday's episode about Music City's brand um, and and ways to to possibly improve it. Uh, but on today's show, we have Micah Pringle. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's my my privilege to be here. The, the last fellas. time that you were on the show, we recorded live in Hunter's Station. Yes, we did. And uh, this was probably two and a half years ago. It was definitely before everything changed in yeah. the world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we sat there, and I think we ate Hugh Babies, mm-hmm. and we had a podcast episode. So it was a whole different world. Yes. <laughs> It, that was when Hunter Station. They it's like almost new. Well, they had the Good Citizen Coffee. Yeah, and it is wild that since Good Citizen's not there anymore, that there is not a coffee shop inside of Hunter Station. I did not know that. Yeah, huge loss. That area is just blank now. Huh. Um, but yeah, you would think in Nashville that place would be occupied. would have another coffee shop by now. It probably will, but. Uh, just uh, just waiting for that time because we are in no short supply yeah. of those. Michael, where are some of your go-to coffee shops in town? Well, my number one spot that I go to is Retrograde over um, in East Nashville, Cleveland Park. I like Retrograde because, one, it's it's good coffee. Yeah. Uh, and that's like if it's not – Cortado, black coffee or a Cortado is, is my go-to every time. Yeah. And uh, so if they make a good Cortado, then that's it. But I also like it because the aesthetic reminds me of, like, being back in Portland, Oregon. Um, and the music and the aesthetic makes me feel like I'm back on the West Coast, which I appreciate. So Before the show, we were talking about cat cafes. <laughs> we were. And uh, 
I'm intrigued because I, I never want to go to a cat cafe. And yeah. The interesting thing is both of you were talking about cat cafes. And Aaron, you went to one recently in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your experience. And then, Michael, we'll talk about the, your experience at a cat cafe. Oh, yeah. So the one that I went to sometime last year, probably in the fall, was close to uh, Opryland. It's that um, the area that has a bunch of, not the mall, but the area yeah, the behind. Yeah, the, the Music City. Yeah, it has some of the restaurants, um, some shopping uh, behind the Music City area on the other side of McGavick there on that side. Um, and it's a just a... It, they advertise it as kind of a cat cafe area, but really it's is like... Is it like right next to Nashville Pla- Palace? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but it's in like a little shopping complex, and you can go in and you pay like... I think it's it's somewhere around the $10 mark, and you can go in to this kind of... It's like a giant play area for cats, mm-hmm. um, and you get an hour of time per like the $10 that you pay, and there are probably you know twenty to thirty cats there. Obviously, they're they are all up for adoption, um, but they have all the toys, all the food. Uh, it was actually extremely clean. Uh, all the cats were. Did it smell like cats? Uh, ish, but okay. for for thirty cats, it smelled fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because there are situations where people can have four or five cats. And, and it, it smells, smells awful. And it smells horrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it was it was well taken care of, and uh, all the cats are like just dying for attention. So they really like being held. Tons of uh, uh, like kittens there that will just you 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 pick them up and you put them on your shoulder. They fall asleep within like two seconds. Uh, so I can see how those are effective in really getting cats adopted. Um, but it's really fun. You can get coffee there if you want to. But I just. I don't Is see the, there I don't, cat hair in the coffee. I, I, well, because I, di- I didn't get coffee. It, most people would assume that I would get coffee anywhere you can, but it's very pointless to get coffee in a place where you're just going to walk in and hold cats. Seems very antithetical. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, that, yeah, but it was it was cool. I'd probably go back just because it's fun. It's one of those things where, uh, you, you know, it's a good feeling thing if you like cats. Mm-hmm. To just go in and and pet some cats who really want attention and are will play and there's like thirty of them so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, good place for kids. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, and that was my experience is I took my daughter to a cat cafe, but it was also uh, in Phoenix, not okay. in Nashville, and it was forty dollars uh, to get a, in there. That's, that's a high price. Uh, yeah, and it also had coffee. Did not get coffee um, either. Yeah, Same yeah, reasons. Yeah. Right. Didn't smell. Although it didn't have like kittens, it was just a lot of cats that clearly had had plenty of attention because they really weren't interested in interacting <laughs> they were just sitting on shelves around the, in the corners and flipping their tails and looking at us and yeah. i was like okay i respect you yeah i get that so very different experience than that we should do an alligator cafe i'm here for that that would uh that would be interesting you hold alligators <laughs> florida doesn't snakes. already have that <laughs> somewhere uh, it's a so concept. have you ever been to a fuddruckers uh, I've mm-hmm. heard of it. So a, a Fuddruckers, you're not that far off from uh, Fuddruckers does have a place in, in ev- uh, most of them, I believe, where you can, they have like a smaller alligator uh, with its mouth rubber band shut. Yeah, yeah. And you go and you take a photo holding this live alligator. Oh, so, that's cool. so you re- you're really not that far off. Oh. 
the person who came up with that business model, like, hang on, hang on, I've got an idea. Just hear me out. First, first off, the name. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that was somebody in a college dorm room. Like, oh, we're gonna name it Fuddruckers and uh-huh. oh, burgers and alligators. Yeah. What? I'm pretty yeah. sure they serve alligator bites, and then you get to yeah. hold a live alligator. Is it the alligator you get to hold? No. Oh. No. It's not like a... It's not true farm to table. Yeah, I don't know what alligator farm they would get. Swamp to table. Swamp to table. Yeah. I think that needs to be a new uh, yeah, yeah, restaurant yeah. down in the bayou. It's serious. <laughs> yeah. I love that. The farm official swamp to table stamp yeah. for... Uh, Somebody who serves fresh lobsters. And, and if oysters. we're riffing on like terrible names, you could call it like swamp butts and then sw- serve like wild boar, <laughs> oh, you know, gosh, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, the, the that, ham hock. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, there you go. So speaking of branding, so yeah. you, you just branded a whole restaurant. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Micah, give us your background yeah. so we can, people sure. can kind of understand where, where all this comes from. Okay. Um, yeah. So I spent the first uh, several years of my life uh, in a very different sector, just really interacting with people and learning uh, people's stories and how to articulate a story. And then when um, I shifted careers and um, I I basically kind of fell backwards into uh, brand work. Now, I'm not talking about visual branding like the logo. I have people that I respect and connect others with for Mm -hmm. that. Uh, When I say brand, I'm referencing the fact that anytime you interact with a brand, if it's a good brand, it elicits some kind of emotion. So my job is to help, uh, whether it be a music artist or somebody selling a hot dog, figure out how to take their brand and connect it at an emotional level with their target consumer. And a lot of times they don't understand what their story is, uh, what kind of emotion they want to elicit, or who their consumer should be. So uh, those parts of branding and then the creative output is what I enjoy doing. I kind of... uh, I've described it as brand therapy because I found that in a lot of ways, uh, effective branding and getting to it is very similar to what you would do, uh, like with your own therapist at an individual level. You're just getting, you're, you're doing your best to get clear so that you can establish some action steps thereafter. I feel like that's so important, um, in today's consumer world, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, uh, in a different time where there wasn't social media. So let's say that you had a uh, a hot dog stand or you had um, some company who's selling a basic commodity or service. Um, it was, you know, extremely transactional compared to today's social media presence. And so when you have companies who are, you know, selling a basic good or service, they're trying to go online. There's probably that. That seems like probably a lot of where this brand crisis may come from mm-hmm. with brands is is how do I it, it how do I do this and go online? They probably really struggle to find what their brand is all about about when they hit that social media point when they're ready to start posting and they realize I don't know what to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So w- what do you see as um, where do those points usually happen for a business when they realize that they uh, need to, and, and why does a brand need to go from selling a basic good or service or commodity to having a, like a brand story? Sure. Uh, one, one very common thing is people are really good at describing their product. They're not great at um, and, and even attempting to establish why their product is better than the next product over on the shelf that provides that meets the same need for a consumer. But the reality is 80% of our buying decisions, regardless of how an individual is wired, mm-hmm. 80% of our buying decisions um, are, are ultimately rooted in emotional appeal over logic. 
um, that study after study shows that we are emotional beings. And regardless of how much data shows that choice A is the better choice, we will often choose choice B if it scratches a felt need, meets an emotional appeal. Uh, I think that you see that a lot. Uh, some obvious examples of that are like luxury consumer goods. There is nothing better about one specific pair of shoes that costs you $1,000 over a pair of shoes that costs you 10 Why do people buy the pair that's 1000 Because there is, it's a, it has to do with a name, it has to do with a brand, and what that brand represents. And it um, could be an identity thing. Absolutely. Where yeah. they're trying to, in a sense, maybe show off, mm-hmm. or they feel like, oh, this is a really good brand that I can trust. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, uh, the, the, the brands that we identify with are how we establish our tribes. Right. And we are wired as communal beings. So there's all these felt needs that that. Are, so to your question of like, what are some of those uh, pitfalls or where do they miss the mark or how do they differentiate themselves? I think that um, being overly salesy uh, with whatever the product is, once again, and thinking that if they just beat the drum a little harder about their product, that that's mm-hmm. going to work or um, or if they don't, if they're not sincere. Um, and I think that's uh, also a struggle is just it requires a degree of vulnerability to just be sincere in who you are and why you're out there doing what you do. So that's that's a big piece of it, that brand story and establishing your why. Simon Sinek talks about that a lot, like mm-hmm. figuring out your why. And it's more important than ever before to just cut through that noise. I would also say um, that that is the unique thing that you have uh, that no one else does is your own story. So if you can find a way to bridge the gap between your story and the thing that you're doing, that piece, that story piece, that is yours and yours alone. Yeah, so. because I feel like everybody has a why. Mm-hmm. They just have, or, or probably most people have a why. They probably just have a hard time communicating it. Exactly, yeah. And so I, I really like the way you talked about like brand therapy. Mm-hmm. Seems really cool. Does that have you trademarked that? <laughs> uh, I'm working on that actually. Okay. No one out there should beat me to it. Or yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find you. Uh, <laughs> so that's essentially just doing some heavy, heavy diagnosing. Yeah. On the why, and then and then, you know, having them either learn to communicate it or mm-hmm. learn to at least explain it so that whoever is communicating for them can communicate it. Yeah, and I would say that not every um, it, it depends on on how you're wanting to build. Uh, not every company and every person needs to do that because yeah. I think some people, what they're trying to do is they just have a product and like let's say you have an e-com product and it is it is the exact same as every other product and all you want to do is retarget right um, and just drive that. That's fine. But if you're trying to build something that has a degree of legacy to it and truly you know build an empire, if you will, you have to start from a completely different place. So. With building an empire, because I feel like we're building an empire every mm-hmm. single day, what piece of advice would you give somebody in our position? Oh, boy. I think that um, when you establish your you, you know, your brand at that, if we're going to riff on the brand therapy piece, yeah. um, establishing your why, your mission statement, your core values, and that being connected to identity versus product – um, and your own story, what that does is it serves as a true north and as some guardrails. I mean, we were kind of talking about this beforehand, that mm-hmm. um, those guardrails protect you from what might seem like uh, a really great opportunity, but one that would veer you off course. Mm-hmm. If, uh, like, uh, let's use that North Star example. If we were, like, if you're out at sea, you might have a really great harebrained idea, but if you're trying to get someplace, you stay true north, mm-hmm. and, and you get where you're going, and you don't get there by veering. So yeah. um, distractions will be the death of you every time. So that's why it's important. 
I want to dig just a little bit deeper, and then we'll, we'll get into some Music City stuff because sure. I think there's a lot to, to unpack there. Um, but when telling somebody's story, um, what do you see as the, uh, the, the reason why you want to help people tell their story and connect with them um, and, and help them to reach that, that true north for their business? Yeah. Um, like for me personally, why is that uh, like yeah. my why behind yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I'm we're, just, we're, we're taking that I pr- deeper. Look at what's, this. What's your why? My, the turntables. <laughs> of tra- uh, I, <laughs> my, the turntables yeah. of tra- I just, for me, uh, I love, I just, I personally love people's stories. I think that we all have such a unique experience in life and understanding where someone has come from uh, and, and why they are at the point that they're at in their journey that's just really fun and really intriguing. And then uh, I think that there's something powerful about when you're able to step in and whether it be in a really small way or in a really large way, in any capacity, um, make a difference, then that's legacy. Mm -hmm. And I love that. There's something really powerful about being able to have a conversation, have a coffee or, or have some meetings with someone and, and see their eyes light up when they're talking about what they're doing. That's cool. And, um, and I, 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 there's never been a time where I've walked away from that kind of a meeting and gone, man, that sucked. That was, that was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I've walked away from a lot of other types of meetings where I've been like, (laughs) I never want to do that again. A lot of zoom calls where I'm like, yeah, who hasn't? (laughs) Right. So I think that for me, um, the why, uh, for myself is because it lights my soul on fire. Yeah. It just does. So. That's yeah, awesome. As, as vague and pie in the sky as that might sound. Yeah. Yesterday we, we talked a little bit about um, Music City, mm-hmm. and uh, we had uh, Jamie Kent on the podcast, and um, we talked about you know maybe Nashville losing its soul a little bit, or if we don't do something to make sure that uh, the creative class is as powerful. It, powerful is a weird word, but as as influential as they are now, and mm. and as creative as they are now, instead of having to, uh, you know, go and grab a bunch of other jobs that aren't creative jobs, if they if if we can have a strong creator class here in Nashville, um, especially in the music side of things, then we may be able to continue to keep Music City the way that it is. There are probably tons of people right now who are saying it will never be the same. It's already gone. It's already in the pits. Like there's no going back to where it used to be. Sure. Um, you know, but you know, there a, a lot of people have a wide range of opinions on it. But um, the Music City, its brand and the creator class here is something that a lot of people are working to protect right now in order to maybe keep the brand uh, going for Music City. So. Maybe we'll do a little diagnosing we, into before, Music City's before we brand. Get into the, the brand of Music City, got yeah. the history of it. Yeah, yeah. please. Yeah. Uh, so right after the Civil War, Nashville became a place of very high society. Uh, so we we had the nickname Athens of the South. And the reason for mm-hmm. that is we had a lot of universities here, like Vanderbilt and the schools, School of Nashville and all these things start here. And the music at that time was really interesting because it was a very classical approach to music. Uh, so in, in another reason Nashville is called Music City, and we'll talk about this, uh, but right after the Civil War, too, Nashville became the hub of printing sheet music in the country. And publishing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. publishing. And so that's part of the reason you have, like, this classical society coming in with very high-class music, 
In the late 1800s, uh, you had the Fisk Jubilee Choir that was traveling around the country, and then they had the opportunity to go to England. And Queen Victoria wrote in her diary, they must come from a music city. And that's basically where we've got our nickname from. And then in 1925, you have the start of the Grand Ole Opry, which is the longest-running radio show in the world. And one of the announcers for the show, every single Saturday, he would say, live from Music City. Mm. So we started getting this name recognition as that. And then around in the mid-'90s, when downtown Nashville was going through this huge renovation of building Nissan Stadium, of building Bridgestone Arena, of building yeah. our first huge skyscraper, the AT&T building, mm. that's where they really started branding it as Music City, as a destination. And so that's a little bit of the history behind it. Beforehand, you said, yes, Nashville was called Music City. Now it's recognized as a party city. Yeah. So give me your thoughts on, on the history of Music City, and then let's let's di- diagnose this brand. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I, well, I think that um, Nashville is one of these cities that has become a destination that it's probably like, uh, I would say, a lot of other locations where you get what you look for. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. I just saw a TikTok yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Also, I'm a 40-year-old talking about TikTok. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I saw a TikTok yesterday where it was this uh, fellow who is a, a songwriter in mm-hmm. town. I, I saw that. Exact did you see that? One. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what, I did not because I do not use TikTok. Well, would you like to describe it? Um, if it's the same one, which there are not very many about Nashville that pop up. So yeah. essentially, um, this was a, a TikTok. It was a stitch. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. so... Uh, this was a musician who basically said he tried it for a year and he's out. Um, and then this other songwriter came in and, and stitched the video, which for non-TikTokers, I mean, he, he basically, we watch a little bit of the original video, and then the other creator comes in and gives commentary on that one. Um, and so the, the stitch essentially explains uh, the different sectors of music and, and how the songwriting world works and how diverse the music industry is, is here in Nashville, but where to find it. It seemed like uh, the person who was here for a short amount of time didn't really know where to find the true music city um, and was, was very stuck, and, and this guy really broke down. Um, if you want to go for the songwriter type of thing, if you want to go for the pop thing, here's where you'll find it. And, and do, on, do on the surface... it was a lack of community? that caused the issue? I think it was a, uh, that's a factor. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, so, interestingly enough, he described, mean yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I was almost, I was basically done. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and the, uh, of these different communities, uh, that he was describing, you know, yeah. depending on which lane you'd want to be in as a, as a writer, he, he described, uh, what I think is, uh, this, this microcosm as a songwriter that you can really use as, uh, if you zoom out, it applies to the city at large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, that, you know, a lot of times what happens, people move here with one intent or they come here with an intent and then they get kind of sucked into the Broadway experience. I was actually just having this conversation last night with a, uh, an artist who she is, uh, she's struggling to really build a good band because she's, she's a little new in town and a lot of the players, uh, that she would like to take on tour would rather stay on Broadway because they can make more money on Broadway. They go home every single night. Exactly. Versus going on tour. And mm-hmm. it's, it, 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 there's uh, in the video world, there's the same thing. Yeah. We are building a brand that is built out of the creative side of the video and not the corporate side. Mm-hmm. Um, but corporate pays the bills. Yeah. 
Uh, and but and so Broadway is akin to in the creative space yeah. that the non musicians of working for a corporation or doing corporate contracts, uh, but not putting anything out there that's working with smaller creators or the creative class itself to produce mm-hmm. uh, more creative output projects that aren't for. Uh, either a sales or a marketing or a website piece for a, a larger company. But Broadway feels like that way for musicians. Like, that's where the money is, mm-hmm. um, and that's where the, the a lot of the available gigs are, but that doesn't allow somebody for the time and the space to break through on the creative side of things. Yeah. I think what, something you said that applies to this idea of, is Nash, like, what is Nashville's brand? Um, you know, it might be too heavy handed to say is it an identity crisis, but it might also not be because I think that a lot of people, especially people who've been here for a long time would resonate with that sentiment. Mm -hmm. Um, but something you said is corporate pays the bills Mm -hmm. and so much of the decisions that are being made, uh, are rooted in uh, the development of the city and, Mm -hmm. and following those money lines. And it's one thing to just, you know, take uh, frustration over that. And I think some folks, especially in the creator communities, have because it starts to price people out that are these uh, level one creators, the people who are behind the scenes that really start generating culture that mm-hmm. then other people recognize and can build on. Those those early adopters, if you will, those are always people that uh, that that find locations where they can just afford to live. Yep. And so it's not uncommon to see a, a, any area, any city that starts uh, as this wonderful epicenter for creation and creators as it matures, as it grows, um, to see that shift over time. And, you know, I think if we were to, uh, one of the things as far as a brand is concerned is I like to think about a brand as an individual. Um, if you were to humanize a brand, what's that journey look like? What's that maturation look like? And I think that what we see in Music City is very similar to the maturation of any like creative individual. Well, not any. That's that's an overstatement. But some creative individuals in that you start out a little altruistic and you have an idea. And then as you grow and as you mature, tyranny of the urgent, uh, real world bills, if you will, come yeah. into play. And so you start making decisions that are a little less based in what you might have started in. Uh, uh, there's a fellow I know to kind of use that same example, who is a uh, a guitar player. He's been a touring musician, a producer for a long time. He is actually shifting careers into uh, a medical career because uh, he's he's decided that, like, he has, you know, real bills and real things to deal with. And so in a similar way, I think we're seeing that some with with Music City. Now, there is this, uh, if we want to use the word identity crisis or a crisis of brand that's happening in that, how do you maintain um, the culture that that catapulted it into the spotlight Mm -hmm. in terms of music and not just country music, but, um, you know, a lot of other sectors as well? How do do we maintain that kind of energy um, and synergy while expanding into things like uh, larger corporate corporations coming into town, um, the uh, the party thing that's happening. I mean, you know, there's that Netflix uh, show that just came out about the Bachelorette thing yeah, that's yeah, happening. We're trying, to, we're trying to get him on the podcast. Oh. I've, I've reached out to him twice. You have? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. If you're listening, come on. The we show. can we can figure that out. Yeah. There's there's a His couple of Ben. I can't remember these last name. There's a couple points of con- yeah. We can make that happen. We'll figure yeah, that out. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that what's happening is kind of like we were saying earlier that if you have a true north, that helps you know what to say yes and no to. That the, the, the challenge with a city, 
a challenge. I don't want to be too prescriptive, but I believe one challenge, one anecdotal challenge to a city like Nashville is that true north is going to constantly evolve based on leadership. Yes. So as leadership shifts and changes and, and as the agenda every four years, exactly. Yeah. And as yeah. those agendas shift and change and as um, there are new incentives and new deals that mm-hmm. present themselves, then there's there's not really a true north outside of um, the will of the people to vote. Uh, and even that is obviously, again, limited based on what deals are struck and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So, do, you, do you think um, with that, that in mind, there's a lot of coalitions being formed here mm-hmm. in Nashville now? So yep. like you have the downtown coalition for mm-hmm. protecting the identity of Broadway. Yeah. Do you think these coalitions are going to have a very major impact in the voting turnout and also in protecting the identity? I think that um, I think the challenge there is it's swimming upstream and the downstream is the influx of everyone who is coming to this city yep. for all of the other parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if I were to be um, uh, more black and white and, and remove whatever my personal bias might be, you just have to accept it for what it is because yeah. a city is going to evolve and you, and you can't entirely stop it. How do you navigate yeah. that? Yeah. You know, but and this reminds me of and I know that, you know, people in New York City, if I were to ever compare mm. Nashville to New York City, they just laugh. Right. Because sure. Well, I, would, I would say I think, there's a comparison now. Yeah. Uh, and that comparison is people are moving to Nashville to pursue their dreams. Yeah. At one time, yeah. It's still some people are moving to New York to pursue their dreams. Yeah. But I, I would say the conversation has now uh, swift, swift changed yeah. uh, where it's people are now coming to, they're like, Nashville, that's where I'm going to go to pursue my dreams. Yeah. But, but you're, I mean, you're exactly right. So that, that comparison to, you know, where New York found its identity for a few things, um, you know, but, but now if you are living in New York or you go there, you know that there's just uh, so much happening there, yeah. but it still had its original identity in something, but it hasn't lost, uh, it, for the most part, it hasn't lost its original identity. We are talking about this yesterday uh, with uh, Detroit. With it, it still, mm. People will still call it Motor City, yeah, and it's lost all of that. Sure, yeah. Um, and so it, maybe it's hard for Nashville to lose that brand um, because – if we're, we're getting a new stadium, if we give an, get an MLB team, if if we're building the East Bank, basically another downtown yeah. coming into Nashville. Oh, and then tomorrow we're talking about a brand new neighborhood called South Bank. Yeah. Yeah. So whole... with, with all of those things coming in, you know, you, you, you can't, you're exactly right. You can't, it, it's going to have to be what it is, but at the same time protecting the brand and what people know it for while mm-hmm. those new things are, are happening. Yeah. Um, because if we stop those things from happening, um, you, you really have the chance of Nashville's growth just halting that stuff all yeah. together. And then you lose every economic opportunity that was right there in front of you. And so the challenge is how do you maintain the, the brand and the perception, also keeping it, actually authentic yeah. to I, that perception, but also just the, the growth in Nashville, keep it exploding like it is. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me when you were just saying that was BNA. And you go in and out of yeah, BNA. I'm there constantly. Have you All seen the, the new Grand Lobby? I, I'm guessing. I, I have strong opinions about that lobby. Oh. We, we, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But I think one thing BNA does That's well 
and, and, and it's a good thing that they they have done well is they've really embraced like the local restaurants. They scene, have. You're right. The local shopping scene, yeah. and they have implemented that into BNA. Yeah. And so immediately when visitors are coming to Nashville. They're hit with the brand, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that BNA has been very successful at that. Mm-hmm. And I would even go out on a limb and say they are the most curated airport probably in the country. I would agree from a local brand standpoint. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I go to Philadelphia and, and Baltimore, it's all these chain restaurants. It's all mm-hmm. these chain things. Yeah. Yeah. You may have like a local like Philly cheesesteak place, mm-hmm. but like it's still it's it's not. They have not these other airports, JFK. They have not done what Nashville has done from having the branding immediately in your face when you get here. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I think you're right. And it, what's interesting, I think that you see this across the city. It's kind of again this the the airport, the new lobby is a microcosm of I think the city at large, and it's yeah. that they try to place care in representing like local business, for instance, mm-hmm. and some of the development that we're seeing. While placing such an emphasis in some areas, there's these massive oversights in other areas and in areas that I would say are what have given a platform for business to thrive. Uh, an example of that, um, I uh, the the new lobby experience with uh, it, it is slower than it used to be. And it, it seems from a time perspective, it seems slower. Yes, it, it is now. Uh, maybe that's just been my experience, but I even have a clear pass, so I get to skip the line. And I last still- time we were we were there because we we filmed in that lobby a couple of times to to kind of Capture. see it and yeah. show it. Um, and the clear pass line was longer was than longer the- than the normal line. Wow! Yeah. I was like, I really feel bad for everybody who has a clear pass right now. It was so long. Yeah. Now, I haven't experienced that, but what I thought was so interesting is um, the new machines Mm -hmm. that they use. Yeah. I I like those. Well, that's because you're not a musician, ironically. Well, so I've I've been, they had one machine like that prior. Yeah. And I got to go through it one time. Mm -hmm. I normally have to take out my laptop, camera, batteries. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, shoes, phone, wallet, uh, and, and I usually have about five to six bins mm-hmm. that I would normally empty out when I travel. Um, and then this one time they're like, Hey, we have this new machine. You can go through here. Mm-hmm. Bag. That's yeah. it. And so, but they all have those new machines. Well, so they, that oh. version, that oh. version they did. You're I, right. I and I that remember, was wonderful. I, I know exactly what you're about to talk about. This is very interesting. The, the stuff does not fit. It does not fit. And not only does it not fit. So they had that version of machine that you're describing. Now yeah. it's the 2.0 of that or a different version, which yeah. does the same thing. But a lot of luggage doesn't fit. Guitar oh, cases. We are in horrible. Nashville. And guitar cases do not fit through those. So every, yeah, every artist. Yeah. And so again, and that's, uh, you know, I think that you, there's going to be, uh, blind spots in any development. Of course. But I feel as though that's such an interesting example of good intent, (laughs) but then also at the same time, the very people who have created uh, the (laughs) the bed for all of this to happen on are being overlooked. Yeah, ultimately. That's and and that's an aggressive example. So yeah. that might be a little aggressive to say, but I, I just think that that's what we're seeing some. Now, I would also say this, though. I've I used to bounce in and out of Nashville back in the day when I was involved in music, more on the playing side and, and had friends that had moved here uh, and not only chased the dream, but are, are seeing it realized. Um, and now being on the side of the industry that I'm on, there is still incredible opportunity. Nashville yes. is still a yes. town that um, that 
genuinely, there, there's a lot of really incredible and genuine people who want to see artists yeah. of all different mediums and obviously music uh, thrive and succeed. And, and, and doing it on their own yes. independently, mm-hmm. not tied to uh, not tied to a corporation, but yeah. a fully self-employed. A lot of people yeah. doing that on the art side in all all genres of the art world. Yeah, and I would say that in some in some regards, the um, the old uh, the old guard on the music side uh, that is less prevalent than it used to be. As yeah. we are in this creator economy, where if you it, I think that you find what and you by, look for. By the old guard, you mean like the radio guys and the, the, the yes. stuff that blocked. Like gatekeepers, right, right. right. You have to go through a certain system in order to, in order to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And now, um, I mean, I can list off a handful of places that if you're an artist and you want to meet other great artists, just go to one of these different spots, any given night of the week and meet people. You have to put yourself in the room. And I I find that, um, again, you find what you look for every time. And this is still a city with incredible opportunity, whatever sector you're in. I'd say but it's still the gold mine of America right now. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, some of my some of my closest uh, friendships and even business partnerships have been struck up uh, in a in a coffee line. Yep. You know, um, so it's still a small town in a lot of ways. Yep. What, what's your thoughts on Nashville being a ten year town? Oof. Uh, in which regards? From a from a musician perspective, sure. uh, so a lot of musicians have said year yeah, ten is when I made it. Yeah, and I'm approaching year ten. Yeah, and I feel like I'm about to. <laughs> I'm not in the music, but I feel like I'm about to make. <laughs> well, I think that that's why I asked in which regard yeah, because yeah. I think that that rule can apply to almost anyone in any sector, and and I know that Nashville has that label assigned to it. But if you think about a trajectory um, in any career. Uh, again, this is probably a little bit of an overstatement. Um, things take time. Yeah. And, and again, I would say because of the relational equity that can be at play here, if you choose to, um, that can even be expedited some, you know, I, I have have friends that are artists that they've been here a lot less than 10 years. And, um, and I I have a friend who's an artist manager. He's been here, um, like eight months longer than me yeah. is all, and they're doing incredible. And I, I think of as a Brett, our sales guy, you'll probably yeah. have an opportunity to meet him soon. I, I know uh, he has seen stuff that most artists won't see because of the mm-hmm. relationships Aaron and I have. Yeah. And he has been able to meet incredibly talented people that have helped his journey, and now his numbers on his songs are skyrocketing. Yeah. And I, I know that's because of the relationships that Aaron and I have had. Yeah. 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 Relationships are, that's business 101. It's, it's, it's relationships. It is relationships. It is. It really yes. is. And so I would say even like if we, whether it be the city of Nashville, a quick zoom out, right? When we were mm-hmm. talking earlier about just brands in general, yeah. that that's, that's a piece of this digital economy that we're in is, uh, is you still, whether it be through a screen or in a, in the same room as somebody, um, it's about establishing a relationship. So if you, uh, I'm going to make you do more hot takes on, oh uh, boy. Okay. Um, so Butch Spearden, the mm-hmm. guy who essentially made, he made, Nashville. He, he, he made Nashville mm-hmm. what it is today. He's retiring. Um, or taking a step back, he doesn't use the official word retiring because he still because sure. he be still in, wants to get a, super a small, small role. Uh, yeah. If if you were to step in his place, you know, <laughs> your eyes just got so wide. Oh, no. if, if you were to step in his place for let's okay, 
let's say a week. Yeah. You, you, you're, you are, you're a director of, of Visit Music City for a sure. week. Sure, yeah. Um, what are some things that you think you would do to, uh, to, <laughs> to keep the, the, the brand alive with, with Music City? Well, the first thing I would do is I would hire a party bus, and I would put a, a gold uh, throne in the middle of it, and I would just drive down Broadway with some whiskey in one hand, and I would just look at people and go... I'm the captain now. <laughs> that's what I would do first of all. <laughs> and you have to establish authority, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing I would do. Um, uh, sorry, I don't. What was the question exactly? If you, yeah, matter, that answer was great. Uh, well, so what would I, I? I don't really. I think that a key, uh, a, a big factor is the stakeholders, right? Yes. Like who, who are the people that are um, that are intimately involved in pulling some of these levers? And there's all this new development that's, as you, we've highlighted, is happening and is about to happen. And, um, and it's a matter of understanding what these, I mean, this is, this is more of the political jockeying, but like sure. at the end of the day, if, if it all really does center around relationship and influence, if, if you're trying to lead and leadership, if we're going to riff on uh, John Maxwell for a second, if leadership <laughs> is influence, then, um, I think that that's, that's where I would start. But so long before I would ever address any of the brand stuff. So, sure. Yeah. 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 That's a, I, I, I like your first answer. Yeah, I like my first answer better too. Also, I, I say I that partially because I just turned 40 in November and I said that's all I wanted for my birthday was to literally ride down Broadway by myself, middle of the day on a Saturday. We can make this happen. With a, legitimately make this happen. Like a gold crown, you know? We can make so this happen. There's a, there's a uh, uh, party bus that I've seen. Yeah. It, this is not the exact version okay. of your, your vision, but yeah. uh, it's a party bus with a bunch of just giant recliner chairs I, where you watch television inside of it and, and they're probably so I've, like I've seen so many people they're just lounging on these recliner chairs in a in a party bus watching television the most ironic party bus of all time <laughs> i love that so yeah. there, there used to be a truck that drove up and down nashville and it was a it was a box truck but okay. pure glass uh -huh. around the thing and uh the reason i remember this is mcdonald's was doing an ad campaign oh boy and they had people Sitting in these chairs, just eating Big Macs, going up and down Broadway. Real people? They, real people. They had just stacks of Big Macs. And <laughs> stacks of Yeah, stacks of Big Macs in this little box truck that's all glass. And I'm like, that is brilliant marketing. That I think is. we need to use that same truck. Absolutely. Yeah. Broadway. And it says, I'm the captain. I'm the captain now. <laughs> and it's a whole brand. It's a whole, uh, for your, yeah. new, launch your new website. Yeah. 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 I, I have a, uh, I actually have this gorilla thing that I want to do. I, I can't talk about it I used, to, I used to have a gorilla suit. But it's, oh, well, yeah. okay. And, uh, I used to run around into coffee shops and just go ape. Go, yeah, ape. go ape, and, yeah, uh, and then just run away. That's I think that's hilarious. amazing, yeah. Um, well, this was more of a guerrilla marketing thing that I want to do, but it's oh, not literal, but the, literal. But the, the thing is, it's not really about marketing, it's it's actually about, um, like a, a jockeying for the soul of like this sounds really heavy, um, <laughs> jockeying for the soul of humanity, uh, in the middle of Broadway. I'll just say that. Wow. I'm intrigued. Wow. So maybe offline, I'll tell yeah, you about yeah, it. Yeah. Offline. We need to have a YouTube, yeah. a YouTube video. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's amazing. Micah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can oh, people yeah. follow you on social media? Um, the place where I'm the most active and ironic is uh, is just my Instagram, yeah. uh, which is at Micah Pringle. What are so, your thoughts about sharing the same name as the chips? Uh, you know, I feel as though it's provided a lot of uh, puns throughout my days. Uh, also, the holidays are fun because Pringle and Kringle are very close. Yeah. So, yeah. 
There well, you Micah, go. thank you so, okay. so much for coming on the podcast. We'll pleasure. see you guys tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Nashville Daily Podcast. If you want to learn more, head to NashvilleDailyPodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media at Explore.Nash on Instagram, Nashville Daily Podcast on YouTube, and Explore.Nash on YouTube as well. The Nashville Daily Podcast is an Explore LLC production, copyright 2023.